Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? If you aren't listening to Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb and ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, you are missing out on two-thirds of the ADHD Rewired podcast network. And that's just silly. So give them a listen. This week on Hacking Your ADHD, Will writes a letter to his ADHD. And on ADHD Rewired, Eric keeps things in network and shares a mastermind session with Will Curb about where he could go next with the Hacking Your ADHD podcast. As usual, a big shout out and thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He did the heavy lifting on editing this episode, and I greatly appreciate his contributions. Learn more about Jeff at IdealVideoStrategies.com. The next round of the ADHD Essentials Online Parent Coaching Groups launches on Monday, March 16th, 2020, and runs on Mondays and Wednesdays for eight weeks. If you're interested in joining, go to www.adhdessentials.com slash parentgroups, or email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. I'll begin contacting people on Monday, January 6th, to schedule free information and registration sessions about these groups. And of course, the next ADHD Rewired Q&A will be Tuesday, January 14th. It's just two weeks away. Go to adhdrewired.com events to register. Welcome to ADHD Essentials. Today, we're talking to Laura, the ADHD mama. While researching ADHD for herself and her daughter, Laura decided to start recording her experiences. Since then, her videos have helped people all over the world come up with new ways of dealing with the disorder in themselves and their loved ones. In today's episode, we talk about respecting the way ADHD presents in ourselves and our children, the invisible nature of the disorder, and the power of knowing you're not alone. All right, let's get rolling. I'm the ADHD mama. Actually, I call myself Laura, the ADHD mama. I am a mom who has ADHD and has two daughters. And one of my two daughters has ADHD, the youngest. And I could not find the right type of information that would help me teach others how to deal with my daughter, how to help myself online. So I started making funny videos by myself and it's taken off from there. And the ADHD Mama is on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And it's kind of turned into an entire community of not just moms, but people who have ADHD uh, to come together and talk about it and celebrate and also not get too frustrated with ourselves and learn more about how to help others. Awesome. And the videos that I've seen are like they're fun and silly, but also content filled. And it's often you sort of, there's one cut and it's like, you're the mom talking to the kid and then you cut and you've changed clothes and your hair is different. And now you're the kid and you're sort of having the throes of an ADHD frustration 
episode or, and I don't feel like doing anything. I'm not angry. I'm just lethargic and not going to do much because I'm bored or whatever. And then you kind of go back and forth as those two characters, really exposing some important insights into what ADHD is and how it works. What prompted that? How did you get there? A lot of different things were happening at the same time that brought me to this. Uh, I couldn't find the right resources, but I got mad one day. (laughs) I was watching my two daughters in swimming lessons. I had paid for private swimming lessons so that my youngest, who had ADHD, would get the attention she needed. She hated the water. It was was a terrible experience for her. I saw the instructor have a different body language and way of talking to my oldest daughter. It was all like, yay, you're doing great, fantastic. And then turned to my youngest, your turn. And she was obviously annoyed at her. She was three years old. And I'm sitting in the stands losing my mind. And my husband's like, whoa, 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 whoo, deep breath. And I'm like, so I channeled all that anger into a video. And that video became um, part of the ADHD mama. Wow. Oddly enough, that's not the first time that I've heard that story shared by someone I interviewed. That they got mad about something? And not your story. They had the same experience that you just described at a swim lesson where one kid had ADHD and one kid didn't. And they had private lessons for their kid because of the ADHD and like the interaction didn't work. Wow. It's not exactly the same, but it's remarkably similar. And probably a year ago, at least that that happened. But I swear I interviewed someone who had the same single digit podcast episodes. Guys, listen, you'll find it. My memory's not perfect. I have ADHD, so I might be a little bit off. I can't judge you for that. But that's the direction we're heading in. So, because I've been impressed by your videos for a while now, right? I've sort of like, I stumbled across them a couple of times and I was like, that's really cool. That's amazing. I'm a little jealous that I didn't do that. <laughs> but I guess I, 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 I do this. So I'm, I'm learning to accept the fact that I have a podcast and it takes up a lot of my time. I keep, I keep talking to people and I'm like, like, you do this thing that's amazing. How come I can't do that thing that's amazing? And then I'm like, I spend hours a week recording a podcast that is at least halfway decent. So I should just be okay with that. (laughs) I have a similar feeling because I see other ADHD influencers where they can make art and I'm like, wow, they can explain things. And why didn't I think of that? Right. That's not how my ADHD brain works. Yeah. So I think you just have to learn to accept you're going to create something with what works best with how your ADHD creativity happens. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that, and we're wandering around right now, but that's okay. We'll circle back later. I think that's the thing that a lot of us with ADHD experiences are, am I doing it right? Am I ADHD enough? Am I neurotypical enough? Am I doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it? I was at the conference on ADHD and I was talking to someone and she was mentioning that caffeine makes her tired instead of waking her up. And a few people had said that to me during the course of the weekend. And I had this moment as I was talking to her where my head went, well, what if I don't have ADHD? (laughs) What if the reason I don't get tired is because I don't actually have ADHD? It's like, I completely have ADHD. I don't know what's going on right now. That was a dumb thought. I've had the same thought about caffeine because I actually can't drink it at all. If I have one cup in the morning, I'm awake at night and I'm like, other ADHDers drink it all day long. And 
I think we just need to learn to accept that ADHD is a spectrum and there's so many components and you can have ADHD and not have all of the things that other people have, but it's getting aware of those and learning more about them that makes people hopefully eventually not question their own ADHD, but eventually become more comfortable with, okay, this is what mine looks like. Yeah. I don't even know that ADHD is a spectrum. I think every individual piece of ADHD is its own spectrum. And then where you come out depends on where on each of those spectrums you are. So like how intense your time blindness is, how intense your emotional regulation is, how intense your difficulty with initiating tasks is, how intense your difficulty with completing tasks is. All of those different things exist on a spectrum and there's other stuff too. And then where you land on each of them merges to form your flavor of ADHD. That's part of what makes my job fun is everybody I work with is presenting slightly differently, but having similar problems for different reasons. And I'm like, oh, let's figure out why you can't do your homework. Yes. Think of it more like, I don't like spider webs, but like the spider web thing where you have like spokes and then each of the challenges are a different spoke and like you can have it go in different directions compared to a straight line of spectrum or like a blob. Yeah. And, and you can have the same problem. Do you have trouble starting because you just have trouble starting? Do you have trouble starting because you struggle with emotional regulation? Do you have trouble starting because you're just really low on dopamine and you can't seem to motivate yourself for that reason? Do you have trouble starting because you don't see the point and the value in what you're doing and that's because you have executive function difficulty that makes it harder for you to see the point and the value and stuff until it's really, really, really explained to you? Do you have trouble starting because you have difficulty breaking down tasks and you're just not sure where to begin because it's all overwhelming? All of those have different solutions, but it's the same problem. I don't think enough people are explaining that. I mean, even myself, I'm thinking, oh, oh, this is new info. Where can I, I need to tuck this away. Don't, don't let that disappear, Laura. Tuck it in the bag. I call it executive functioning algebra. This plus this times this equals I can't start. Because it might be four of those things that I just rattled off that are all coming together to form Voltron. <laughs> so you're at the swim lesson. You're frustrated. You're like, how come that swim teacher is not interacting with my children in the same way, especially because she's three and you should always be nice to a three-year-old? So then you go home and channel that into like video rage. What makes you become sort of this institution that you're becoming? The ADHD mama? Yeah. Well, again, everything came from different directions. So it wasn't just the frustration. It wasn't just the fact my daughter was showing signs of having ADHD just like me. I was running a company at the time, my very first major company, and it went bankrupt. A competitor purchased all the days that we were renting from the same place, so I couldn't rent any days. And it was during our busy season, and I just, it was my first year, didn't have enough money to pull me over. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was brutal. So they just drove you out of business, it sounds like. Yes. First aid. It's an incredibly competitive market. Who knew? First aid. Wow. Yes. I'm a first, I've been teaching uh, for the Red Cross for 20 years and that's, that's my professional background. I wanted to be a school teacher, but uh, I, uh, my husband's career takes us to so many places. I, I wouldn't be able to create a career as a teacher. So I decided not to do that and continue teaching with the Red Cross. So then I started my own company and it was my dream and it collapsed. 
And it wasn't my ADHD that made my business collapse. I think that was the hardest part because I always assumed that deep down it would have been my fault. It wouldn't be an outside factor taking me out and the outside factor just wham, there you go. So I was, I needed something to pour my sadness into. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a terrible way to start <laughs> something, but I needed a more positive way to channel my, my upsetness. I had the ADHD mama online, like on Facebook, and I would, I would repost other people's content. I wasn't making my own content. And near the end of my company, fidget spinners had, were popular. And uh, I made a 10-minute ranting video in my car before a networking event <laughs> for my business <laughs> at the time, uh, near the end of it all. And I'm explaining how fidget spinners are a toy and you should respect that it's a tool for people, but fidget spinners really weren't a very good tool for students to be in class with. Anyway, that got 10,000 views. And that was before the ADHD Mama really started was this video. And people kept saying, you should do more. Like, I didn't know this. You should talk about this more. We know you have ADHD. And I'm like, maybe I should. So when the company collapsed and when I got frustrated, that's when it kind of the ADHD mama bubbled up to start to be what it is now. That's great. Like that, that thing sort of organically fell into place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's the, that is the word I was looking for. But I, I want to circle back and I want to honor that frustration and the sort of like I hear you, there's a weird kind of disappointment around when we fail. It, like it's just when you fail, that's hard, right? But when you fail and it's not the fault of your ADHD, there's like a weird disappointment thing that happens in there that's like, but it should have been my ADHD that caused me to fail. Why didn't that make me fail? It's almost like we feel like we shouldn't ever fail unless it's the ADHD that does it. Pretty much. <laughs> and it can be hard to come to terms with the fact that that isn't true. Because if that were the case, everybody who doesn't have ADHD would never fail. And they do. <laughs> but to us, it seems like they don't really fail that much because we fail so much more, I guess. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I grew up in a neurotypical household. I was adopted into a neurotypical family. My adopted sister is also neurotypical. I rarely saw other people failing. <laughs> So it was very, it was a difficult time in my life. It was only two years ago. And and have you bounced back? Have you learned anything from it? Is it still sitting in your craw? What does that look like? I'm still working through it, but it definitely, I have moved beyond it. I am now uh, doing a full-time adult job where I'm running a first aid division for a company. And this is a company that exists in my province of Nova Scotia. And if this pilot program goes well, we will take it across Canada to all of the locations across Canada, and it'll turn into one of the largest first aid projects in Canada. So I, I've turned everything I've learned, I've managed to apply it, and I created this job too. I approached the CEO and said, we can do this. Hire me. <laughs> so your success is being caused by your ADHD. Yes. And this company has told me that they hired me because I do not think inside the box. And when they told me that, I didn't process it until I was driving home. And I actually ended up having to pull over because I was bawling my eyes out crying because it was the first time that I didn't think a company would ever hire me because of my ADHD. I thought this was not a good thing. And it, was, it is. I was hired because of this. 
and I did a live video and it's on my page where I'm bawling my eyes out and they like me for who I am. Oh, it still bubbles up the emotion of that because it just it feels really good to be accepted that thinking outside the box is a benefit. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So I don't just do the ADHD mama. I actually have a full-time, what I call adult job. That's the reality of ADHD work and, and content creation on the internet, regardless of the topic, is sometimes you got to have a real job too. I had a real job for a while. I was working in a school when fidget spinners were popular. So speaking of having a real job, and uh, it wasn't until about two years ago that I started doing this as the only thing that I do. And I, I like to say I made real big people money last year and I'm making real big people money this year. Um, <laughs> so yay. But I hear you that it's, it's hard to figure out what to do with yourself sometimes when, when you've got ADHD and, and it takes some boldness to get the opportunities that you might need. And that's an advantage that we have is that impulsivity leads to boldness. You also have to accept that you have to build up experience. I finished university and I want to know exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I spent an entire summer, no more than a summer, it was like a year, obsessively trying to figure out exactly what I need to do with my life. I had every educational book you can possibly imagine about careers and, and finding your parachute. I forget the name, but I know there's a parachute in the name of the book. What color is your parachute? Yeah, that's the one. And everything I came up with has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. I needed to experience some life, get some work experience, try a bunch of different things. And eventually it all kind of fell in place. I just, you have to get there. You have to be patient. Patience is not something we're good at in general. The phrase I like to use around what you're talking about is developing a skill stack. Because that's what you did. Teaching is a solid component for a skill stack. If you know how to teach, that means that you are a at least a good communicator, if not beyond good. And not only are you a good communicator, but probably you're also good at breaking ideas down and presenting them in a way that's easily digested by other people. And that's demonstrated in your ADHD mama videos. One of the questions I was going to ask you was, how did you get the kind of skills necessary to make the kind of videos that you're making? And as soon as you said first aid instructor, I was like, oh, there you go. I've been teaching for 20 years. And that is critical. And also, for those of you who are listening, I can't recommend Laura's videos highly enough. They're phenomenal. One of the ones that I like the most, it's actually not one where you're bouncing from character to character. It's the one where you're doing the marbles. That one is awesome. Can you tease us with that a little bit? So the concept is not mine. I found it on Reddit and someone was, was, has this big blurb and it's, it's on my page too, the, the screenshot from Reddit. And I've talked to the person and credited them. And so the idea is having ADHD is like juggling a bunch of marbles. And so you have them in your hand. Now just think about that. Think about whatever you do in your life. If you are a stay-at-home parent, if you have a job, if you are driving, try juggling 50 to 100 marbles in your hand while you do your day-to-day -day thing. They're rolling around. They're falling all over the place. It's kind of messy. And then all the neurotypicals are looking at you going, why is she having her marbles out there? Why are they falling? We shouldn't see these. Those are your private thoughts and emotions. And neurotypicals don't generally wear those on their sleeve. Those don't come out in conversation. But with ADHD, things are messier in general. 
And so neurotypicals have a bag and all their marbles are neatly tucked in the bag and they can carry more, more marbles because they can generally handle more things at a time. And so it just, it's the frustration of seeing this, realizing you don't have a bag and then trying to find the solution. Is it medication? Is it therapy? Those two are actually quite good together, to be honest. Therapy, I don't think this is talked about enough how important it is. But it's a funny video because it, it makes it more visual of the, the internal struggles of having ADHD. And it's invisible having ADHD. Yes, there are things that happen and you notice them, but a lot of the stuff that happens with ADHD is internal. It's inside the brain and it can be so frustrating when others around you don't understand. I completely agree. With my wife, I've made an effort, not a consistent effort, because I have ADHD and I'm allergic to consistency. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with reasonable effort to sort of make some of that internal stuff external. When I'm really struggling, I tell her, especially with the guilt and the shame part. It's one of the hardest things for me to share with her, but also one of the most critical because she doesn't know when that's happening. And I don't want to respond more defensively than I need to because I'm rolling with some guilt and shame. I'll be honest, 80% of the time, I respond with the defensiveness, not anger, but defensiveness. And then I share about the guilt and shame. Like it's not usually the guilt and shame first to avoid the, the defensiveness, but I also know that I'm closing that gap between defensiveness and, and then sharing the guilt and shame. And eventually that gap will totally close and I'll be able to share the guilt and shame before I get defensive. Yes. That comes from a place of acceptance that you have ADHD, acceptance that this is how your reality is going to work. And it's not like you can change it, but also that's huge emotional intelligence that you're displaying here, that you're able to do this. And I find myself, I'm, I'm in the same place where I'm starting to and piece by piece, but I'm also helping him to open up also because my, my husband's neurotypical and he does not talk about emotions. And sometimes he gets grumpy too. And I have empathy for him because guess what? Everyone has stuff going on in their head. And often the grumpiness is not actually directed towards you, but took me a long time not to take those things personally. I'm much grumpier than he is in general. <laughs> so thank him for not getting upset at me constantly. <laughs> One of the best things I ever did was I went to an ADHD training with my wife. Oh, what? No way. Yeah, she came with me. And like, I'm still grateful to her for, to this day for coming. I'm fairly confident that one of the reasons we're still married is because we went to that together. Dr. David now will put it on. He was the first guest on this podcast. That's a big chunk of why he was the first guest, not just because he was the biggest name in ADHD that I knew when I launched or one of them, <laughs> um, but also because I wanted to give him that honor of being the first guest because he started me down this road in a lot of ways. And so my wife and I went to this training and it allowed her to learn about me and me to kind of share stuff with her without it being personal. I didn't have to feel defensive. It didn't have to cut to the core quite so tightly. And when I did share my vulnerabilities, when I did share my struggles, I wasn't sharing them with her. I was sharing them with everyone in that workshop. And that diffused the sensitivity of it a little bit because now I'm talking to everybody. And also, like I speak professionally. If I have an audience, like I'm comfortable. The teacher in you. <laughs> yeah. 
that is a thing that I enjoy. So I was also able to be, I think I'm the only one who outed themselves as having ADHD in that training. Oh, really? So I became like the spokesman for ADHD because it was a lot of it was like professionals and trainers and stuff and like mental health clinicians and that kind of thing. And it was me and my wife and I was like, I'm a teacher, so I can be here, but I also have this. <laughs> it was a great decision. How old were you when you were diagnosed? Yeah, I was in my 30s. I was an adult. Okay, so you were an adult. You were already a professional when you found out. I struggled to keep a teaching position. Initially, it was because schools didn't have money, and I just kept getting cut. They always cut the new guy. Yeah, it happens. As time went by, I struggled more and more because of the ADHD. Like, we had identical twins during one of my schools that I was working in. Like, the first year I was there, we had identical twins. And I'm a hands-on dad. I'm not the dad that's like, well, figure it out, honey. Like, that's not my jam at all. We traded nights. Amy would feed the boys one night and I would sleep. And then the next night I would feed the boys and she would sleep. Nice. Teamwork. Yeah, that's the kind of dad that I am, right? And But that meant that I was exhausted after we had the kids because I'm not sleeping either. Um, but that's only right as far as I'm concerned. And so I struggled in that year. And then the second year that I was there, I did a better job and was told that since I was doing a better job, they would be monitoring me very closely and coming into my room three to four times a week. Yeah, that was totally overwhelming and stressful and shut me down. And then I did a bad job because ADHD. And then I wound up in another school, which was the last school district I worked in. First year went really well. Second year, uh, Concerta went generic. Mm. And one of the generics of Concerta does not release in the body the way it's supposed to. And it like super stimulant in the morning to the point of me being paranoid. And then like crashing at like the end of the day. And I have no experience with altered states of consciousness as a result of chemicals. Like I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do any of that stuff. So I was finding external reasons for me to be super paranoid and then to be wiped out. And most of that was like, my coworkers don't like me. I'm stressed out because the job is hard or I'm going to lose my job or whatever. And that's a recipe for disaster. My boss did not want to let me go. He's he's been on the podcast too. We had a great relationship. He felt worse about letting me go than I did. But he had to let somebody go. And I was the only one who he was hearing negative things about. And it's because of ADHD. So off I went. And then somehow with a haphazard teaching career, I ended up becoming a principal for a little while last year um, because I am good at this. And I, f- I found what I needed to do, right? Like I, I'm a good teacher. I'm much better than good at working with the social emotional needs of kids. That's what the coaching stuff is. That's why I got that principal job. That's what my consulting work is all about. Yeah. So I've ADHD has bitten me as well, but I shouldn't be talking about me. I should be talking about you. So I'm going to circle back. Sorry. Yes. I, I asked questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> Role reversal. <laughs> That's Okay. Yeah, no, it's cool. I I like I enjoy interviews where we talk back and forth. I also enjoy it when I'm mostly questioning people, but I, it's we've already like connected and I'm sure you'll end up becoming a friend of the pod and coming back a lot. When I have these kinds of interviews, that's what happens. But I'm curious to know, like, because you've been doing the ADHD mama for about two years, maybe not officially for two years, but ish. What have you learned from it? How are things different? Oh, I am way more patient with myself and with my entire family uh the the level of awareness like i thought i knew about adhd kind of like you mentioned earlier with the when you're an expert 
and you think it's simple, you're not an expert. Well, when I started the ADHD Mama, I was just a human who had ADHD. And I was diagnosed in grade six. So I, I've, I've known I've had ADHD most of my life. But I also, I was completely alone. I, I didn't meet another female ADHD until I was 29 years old. I thought I was completely alone in the world, that most ADHDers were men, were boys, that there weren't, I didn't meet any other female ADHDers until I was 29. And since then, I've discovered there are millions of us. There are lots of females who have ADHD. Some were diagnosed young. Most were diagnosed in their 30s to 40s to 50s. And there's a huge support network of humans across the world. And it's just, it's nice to not be alone. I remember the first day my daughter was still in a, like a, a little car seat. That's how young she was when I was like, oh, you're like me. I'm driving along and she was doing something. And I realized that's something I would have done. Like the reaction or, or maybe it wasn't in the car. I wish I remembered this better than I do now, but maybe I was thinking about something like the way she reacted to something earlier, but I was in the car. That was the point. I was by myself driving along. And instead of chanting one of us, there was no us. I was completely alone. I was the only ADHD or female in the world in my head. So I'm like, one of me, one of me, <laughs> which sounds awfully depressing, but in my world, there was another person and it was just so liberating to know that there's someone else. I'm not alone anymore. That's awesome. And, and it sounds like the ADHD mama work that you're doing is helping you to make that connection and tie yourself into that larger ADHD community. Absolutely. It hasn't been one of me at all for two years. It's been one of us because it's just amazing to, to meet so many people. And it's not just ADHDers on the page. A lot of them are neurotypicals and they have some family member that they have ADHD, but there's this beautiful connection across the world. And since starting the ADHD Mama, I have had 10 acquaintances and friends come to me and say, I had no idea that that was a part of ADHD. I just got diagnosed or my son was diagnosed or my child. And so not even globally, but locally in my own personal existence of humans here, lots of people are discovering it. And usually it's the inattentive that they're discovering because it's harder to figure that out. And a lot of my page talks about combination to inattentive because I have combination, but my daughter, who's six, is showing signs of inattentive, which is, doesn't look the same. I get a lot of people that are like, wait, she doesn't have ADHD. Look at her. She's, she's coloring. I'm like, what? <laughs> Being able to color has nothing to do with ADHD. Obviously, you need to learn more about this. That piece about your friends kind of coming up to you and saying, hey, I've got ADHD too. That's one of the best side benefits to what I do as well. I love that. I, I, all of our friends, if their kids have something, I know about all of their kids' stuff. I know who's got autism and who's got dyslexia and who's got anxiety and who's got ADHD because I'm safe to talk about that with. And that to me is, is so meaningful. It's a badge of honor. You are that okay person. Right. In fact, a year ago, because it came up on my Facebook feed this morning, we had people over a year ago playing board games. And I realized that 
there's all these dyslexia kids in our group of friends who weren't playing board games. And I was like, they're, they're often not playing board games. And then I'm, I'm going, oh, because there's a lot of reading and they have dyslexia and it's harder for them. And so immediately I took, like everybody left and I went over and took my board games out and sifted through them to figure out which ones were dyslexia friendly and put those off to the side so that now the dyslexia kids can play when they come over because we can just have some dyslexia friendly games. Either there's no writing in them or it's like once you understand the rules, you don't really have to read the cards. You just have to know the rules. And if you're listening, totally do that, guys. It's easier than you might think. Just look for the games that don't have a lot of writing. It's not a complicated filtering process. And if you notice some kids aren't playing, just offer them up the games that involve less reading. You don't have to assume they have dyslexia. Just see if that helps. And if it does, great. Just takes a little bit of observation and thinking outside of, well, maybe they're just not interested or or coming up with like assumptions. Just, all right, try, test, see what people like. And then there you have options. Yeah. I did not play board games growing up. The only board games that my family played was things like cribbage. When you have a math learning disability, that game is a nightmare because <laughs> it's only math. And so I, we still play with my daughter. We've, we've found games that work for her. I never really thought about the fact that I, I have it kind of sorted in my head. All right, these are the games she enjoys compared to her sister. Glad to know I'm not the only one that does that. At some point, I'm going to have to do like a real blog post or, or podcast episode about board games and what you can do with them and how you can accommodate kids and adults through board game play. Because they're so great for connecting to your family, to your friends, and fostering that companionship and, and, and relationship. And that's really what ADHDers often are seeking. Like when people label them attention seeking, no, they're trying to get connections with other people. Yeah. And they're not necessarily doing it in the most productive ways, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. So don't punish them for attention seeking behaviors. Connect with them because they're a human. And I can't get connection without first getting attention. So I kind of have to try to get your attention and then I have to keep it so that I can get the connection. And that's a theme that comes up so often on the show, like the, the importance of connection and how significant that is. It just, it comes up again and again. That's one of the biggest benefits from the coaching groups that I run. I've got parents in those coaching groups and they're finding out that they're not alone and they're connecting to other parents. And, and yeah, they're learning about ADHD and how to parent more effectively and all that stuff. But one of the most significant pieces of it is creating connections with other parents that they can then maintain thanks to social media and feel like they're not alone. Like there's, they're one of us. On the ADHD Mama Facebook page, I'm seeing friendships develop. It is so cool because when you start a page, there, there's different stages on how people interact with it. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, no interaction because they, they don't know you. They don't know the content. It takes a while to, to build it up because you have lurkers and then you have active participants. And the active participants are maybe like 5% compared to the lurkers. <laughs> no offense, I love you, my lurkers. <laughs> and so you have to build up enough people to get to the point where you actually have conversation. But then the conversation often is directed only towards the main person on the page. So mainly it was towards me, Laura, the ADHD mama. But now it's, it's spreading so far, so wide, so big, 
it's less about connecting with me and more about connecting with each other. And I'm like, well, this is cool. This is the next stage. That's awesome. And, and I've accepted it. I, I'm not the focal point. And, and for once, I'm like, I'm cool with it. You keep connected. I kind of don't want to be the focal point for my Facebook page. That's good. Because I don't have enough time. <laughs> I've been struggling a lot to maintain that page and be an effective administrator of it because I've got so many things going on. And, and right now it's a little good, becoming easier because I'm, I'm kind of pumping the brakes a little bit through the end of the year, which is all of a month. But I haven't stopped since February. <laughs> so of like, oh, I just got to slow. Well, I was a principal. And then as soon as the school, I, and I was doing all the ADHD stuff. So part-time principal and all the ADHD stuff. And then no sooner did that end than my wife got ACL surgery and was laid up and it was like family stuff keeping me occupied. And then that ended and the kids went to school and, and it was like, oh, now I have to like start paying attention to the things that I wasn't paying attention to because of I've been busy since February. So some back end stuff for the business and all that. And now I've, I'm kind of caught up ish. Oh, congratulations. That's huge. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm, I need to do a better job with the Facebook page. That's a, I need to schedule it. I need to be like every Monday or whatever, I'm going to do this, this, and this. That One of my problems is, and, and maybe you experienced this too as a fellow ADHD, or I kind of want to do everything on Monday. <laughs> you can't do that when it comes to social media. I know. Wouldn't it be easy if you could just like pump everything out on one day and then focus on everything else? That's not how it works, eh? I want to do all the social media on Monday. I want to do all the emailing on Monday. I want to do all the billing on Monday. Like all of the back-end grindy stuff. I want to do all that on Monday. <laughs> and that's not how life works. Well, you can, you can schedule stuff. And if, if you want to have a conversation offline, <laughs> this is what I do is, is so social media. And then I'm in a course for social media um, when it comes to businesses right now. So I have some oh, cool. cool tips and tricks that are not ADHD related, but we can have another conversation. All right, nice. But before we do have that conversation, um, we have to wrap up this conversation. So just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I feel like there's so many things I want to tell people. Well, you're just gonna have to come back. Thank you, yes. Um, be kind to yourself. That if you are the person who has ADHD, you are gonna struggle. And that is okay. And learning that accepting that you have this and that's just part of who you are is one of the most liberating things you can do for yourself. And then start learning about your emotions and, and learning these healthy coping mechanisms, some that we mentioned today, it really will help over time. And this is not something you can just be like, all right, today I decide I'm going to be emotional intelligent. <laughs> and then it all works out. No, it's, it's piece by piece bit by bit. And often with ADHD, we want to just be at the finish line. We don't want to take all the steps. But just remind yourself, children, when they're learning to walk, they fall over constantly. They never think, oh, this is not for me. I'm just, I'm not going to be a walker. Thanks. <laughs> but no, they keep going. So you, you have to remind yourself of that tenacity that you had as a toddler or baby that you can still do this it's not impossible and that bit by bit you can learn to work with yourself better and it's going to be okay hey you're still here nice thanks for staying focused all the way through if you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode feel free to email me at brendan 
at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.